going to welcome everybody to our podcast. This is, uh, we call this From the Preacher's Study. My name is Bob Hutto, I'm the preacher here at the Oak Mountain Church of Christ. We're glad you're with us and invite you to take your Bibles out or open them up on your phone or just listen closely. You may be driving or uh, maybe away from your Bible, not have access to it, but just listen closely to the things we have to say. We hope that we'll be able to say some things that are informative and encouraging from God's Word. I have Kevin Clark with me. We've been uh, working in, in this way for quite some time now. And if you've listened to us before, you know Kevin and you know his ability and his insight into the Scriptures and, and uh, hope that together we form a good team of, mm-hmm. of teachers of, of God's Word. That's our prayer anyway, that we'll teach the Word of God, that we'll teach it accurately, and that we'll have some things that are informative, but also inspirational, encouraging, help people along the way. And so that's our intent going to shift gears a little bit tonight. We've been talking about uh, doing some, what I would call some textual studies for the most part uh, from uh, Ephesians and Philippians and Colossians and Philemon from those Mm -hmm. four epistles. And we're going to start talking about some important topics uh, over the next several weeks that touch on just moral issues. There's, uh, you know, we're called to live a holy life. We're called to pursue holiness and sanctification uh, to live a pure life and a godly life. And so uh, there's a lot of ungodliness and immorality in the world around us and impurity in the world around us. And so we want to know what the Bible teaches about various subjects and then come to a good understanding of what the Bible teaches and then put it into practice in our lives. And so that's that's what we're going to do here over the next several weeks. And we're going to begin that tonight. Kevin, would you uh, have anything as we begin here. Yeah, one of the things I want to say, and we've said this often, um, you see the two of us, and you might be tempted to think that this is the extent of the people who are making this possible. That is not the case. We have a couple people off screen, and that'd be Jason Reed and Mark Townsend, two of our deacons here, and we always like to bring attention to them because it is their labor, their uh, intuition, their technical expertise, and their uh, willingness to devote themselves to this program that makes it possible. And we're just thankful that we have men of that talent that are willing to deploy that talent in the service of this podcast. So really appreciate that. And as you said, we've been talking about the idea of being holy because God is holy and pursuing holiness. And so these next several weeks, we're going to basically put some some meat on the bones, as they say. What does that mean? It's good to talk about that in terms of general terms. But specifically in my life, what does it look like? What does holiness look like? And there are several aspects of that, and we'll be talking about some each of these several weeks. Right. You know, one of the basic ideas in the idea of being holy is to be to be different. Mm-hmm. And so uh, holy things in the Old Testament were separated from, they, they were distinct from ordinary common things. And so as Christians, we're to live in a way that's distinct from mm-hmm. the world around us, that's different from the world around us. And so in some cases... It may be that many, many people are involved in a particular behavior, maybe the majority of of people, maybe the vast majority of people, Mm -hmm. and yet we're called to live a holy life, which means in some ways we have to be distinct from and different from the world around us. And then distinct in what way? In the way the scriptures tell us to behave. Uh, specifically, what we're going to talk about tonight is sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. Uh, when when you use that word immorality, sometimes that's where our minds almost sure. go at yeah. first. Right. Uh, and uh, and so this this is a topic that 
The Bible has something to say about it. It addresses this issue. And what the Bible says is markedly different from what's being done in the world around us. And so this is one of those areas where to be holy and sanctified, to be pure, we're going to have to decide, well, okay, I'll be, I'm okay with being different from mm-hmm. uh, the, the people around me. Right. Uh, the statistics show, the ones that I've looked at, show that oh, probably 75-80% of people are, have sexual experience before they're married in the United States today. And so, um, you know, sometimes people will say, well, that's not the way it was. And when, I was when I was young, when I was growing up, I, I think it's always been a problem. Yeah, I don't think it's yeah. a new problem. Right. And uh, maybe it wasn't as widely known as it is today, and maybe not quite as widely practiced as it is today. But this has always been uh, a a challenge and a problem for Christians. Um, So we're going to talk about fornication Mm -hmm. and sexual immorality. Well, first of all, let's try to establish what does the Bible say Mm -hmm. about appropriate sexual behavior. Right, right. The Bible does address that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's okay for us to address that and address it very plainly uh, as the Bible does and try to establish what the scriptures teach. So I'm going to look at a few passages mm-hmm. and um, Kevin, I'll ask you to turn to first Corinthians chapter six, okay. and I'm going to read from Matthew chapter 15 while right. you're doing that. That sounds good. So Matthew 15, Jesus Uh, is talking about what defiles the man, Mm -hmm. what defiles a person. And he says that the things that proceed out of the mouth come from the heart, and those defile the man. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, slanders. These are the things that defile the man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile the man. And so notice that list of things. Mm -hmm. There are several of these lists in the New Testament, of uh, some some lists contain appropriate behavior, godly behavior, and right. some lists identify sinful conduct. And so here Jesus mm-hmm. uh, provides for us a list of of inappropriate, unacceptable behavior: evil thoughts, murders, adultery, and fornication. Fornication is a broad term; mm-hmm. it includes all types of sexual immorality or inappropriate sexual conduct. Adultery would be one kind of mm-hmm. inappropriate sexual conduct, but there are other kinds. And so uh, we'll talk about that more as, as we go on. But that's the general meaning for the word fornication, which is a word that's not often used except mm-hmm. in a biblical mm-hmm. studies right. context uh, by, by most people today. All right, 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10. Okay. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Well, that's pretty straightforward, isn't it? These people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then he gives a list of sins that people participate in. If you participate in this, Mm -hmm. you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Of course, we didn't read verse 11, which is an important passage in that context. Go ahead and read that next verse. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, but you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Okay. And so fornication, Mm -hmm. adultery, both Mm -hmm. mentioned in that list Mm -hmm. as well. Here's Galatians chapter 5. We're going to begin in verse 19. Paul's talking about 
the need to walk according to the spirit as opposed to walking according to the mm-hmm. flesh. And he, he details for us. Now, now, when I say walking according to the flesh, that includes these behaviors. Mm-hmm. Again, uh, sexual immorality or fornication, impurity. This is verse 19 of Galatians 5. Sensuality, idolatry, and sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. And so he leaves that open-ended, doesn't he? And things mm-hmm. like these. But again, notice there in the beginning of that list, fornication, sexual immorality. And then let's look at one other passage, Kevin. I'll let you read this one. Colossians okay. 3, verses 3 through 5. Okay. Well, let's just pick up in verse 5 and read down through verse 9 or so. All right. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. All right, so here are several lists of inappropriate behavior, ungodly behavior, impure, unholy behavior, whatever adjective you choose to, to use there. And all of, all of these lists include sexual immorality, mm-hmm. fornication or adultery are specifically mentioned. In some of these lists, it's the first one. Right, right. And so uh, that might give us some indication about how widespread the problem mm-hmm. was in the ancient world. Again, fornication is a, a general word that covers all sorts of sexual sin. E- even homosexuality would mm-hmm. be included in the term uh, fornication. The mm-hmm. seventh verse of the book of Jude describes the conduct of the people of Sodom, and it, it uses the word, King James Version uh, says uh, fornication. Other other versions might say something else, but uh, it's a word that's, the Greek word's related to the word for fornication. And so it, it, it would include all types of mm-hmm. inappropriate, illicit sexual conduct, mm-hmm. uh, adultery, uh, homosexuality, um, it would, uh, incest would be included in that, um, an adult uh, acting inappropriately with a child would be included in that. And so the, all sorts of illicit sexual activity. And so, well, let's shift a little bit. We've talked a little bit about what the Bible says about fornication. What is appropriate sexual mm-hmm. conduct? We are sexual beings. Mm-hmm. That's the way we're made. That's the way we're created. And so God has created a context in which that desire within us can be fulfilled. So what, what would that be, Kevin? Make a few comments about that. Well, I like Hebrews 13, 4 on that. Let's turn over there. And the Bible says this. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. So there's a contrast there by the writer of Hebrews. It says, look, marriage, which is a God-given and God-ordained institution, is honorable, and it's honorable among everyone. And the bed undefiled, that's a reference to the sexual activity that can take place within that relationship. There it is right. There it's honorable. There it's good. There it's where God intended it. Now, on the flip side, 
He says fornicators and adulterers, and God's going to judge those folks because they're not enjoying what God intended to enjoy within the proper parameters of a marriage relationship. And so God is going to bring his condemnation against that. So God has provided an outlet. God has provided a means. I mean, sometimes people want to portray God as being this mean God that doesn't want to have any fun and not want us to engage in any liberty. No, God has given an outlet for that very strong desire that we have built into us but it has to be done only within marriage. If it's done outside of that, then God says, yes, you're to be condemned, and I'm going to bring that condemnation upon you. Yes, that's right. So look at 1 Corinthians chapter 7 Mm -hmm. would be another passage Mm -hmm. that would would correspond to that. So in 1 Corinthians 7, the Corinthians have written a letter to Paul and asked him some questions. So one of the questions must have had to do with marriage and Mm -hmm. maybe even the sexual relationship within marriage. And so he says in verse 1, now concerning the things about which you wrote, it's, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. And so they must, that may have been what they, what they asked about. Now we've heard that it's good for a man touch, not mm-hmm. to touch a woman. What about that, Paul? Mm-hmm. And the word touch here is just a, a figurative way of expressing right. a sexual relationship. Right. And mm-hmm. so it's, what they're asking about is the idea, it's good for a man not to have a sexual relationship with a woman, mm-hmm. maybe even including his wife. Mm-hmm. The idea might be something like, well, you know, we're Christians, we're spiritual people, we're supposed to live on a higher plane, mm-hmm. then get kind of caught up in this physical relationship. And and Paul goes on to say, but because of fornication, mm-hmm. each man is to have his own wife and each woman is to have her own husband. Right. And so in order to avoid an illicit sexual relationship or behavior, you have a wife, and that desires to be fulfilled mm-hmm. with her. You have a husband, mm-hmm. and that desires to be fulfilled with him. In fact, let's go and look at verse 3. Mm-hmm. The husband must fulfill his duty to his wife, and likewise also the wife to her husband. So you have an obligation to each other. That's right. And so this is not just gratifying oneself right. and thinking about what you know, personal needs and right. selfish needs. Mm-hmm. You have a responsibility to your wife. She has desires, right? And 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 you are to be uh, sensitive to that and mm-hmm. understand that, and you're to help her to be satisfied in this relationship. Right. The wife doesn't have authority over her own body, but the husband does. Likewise, also the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Stop depriving each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. except by agreement for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer and come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So here's a very explicit passage, really. Yep. And I can't help but think maybe ahead of its time because mm-hmm. Paul's very sensitive not only to a man's needs, but right. to, to the woman's needs as well. That's right. And he tells the husband, now you be attuned to your wife and your wife's needs and you... Uh, fulfill your obligation toward her. Right. And so sexual activity and sexual relationship within marriage is mm-hmm. approved by God. Mm-hmm. Outside of marriage, right. it's not approved by God. And so this idea that, you know, uh, let, me, let me back up a little bit and just make this observation. Appropriate sexual behavior is not determined by what most people think about it. Mm-hmm. And you hear mm-hmm. that sometimes. Well, most people think otherwise right. than that. Right. Well, appropriate sexual behavior, just like anything else, uh, having to do with morality or immorality, it's not determined by what most people think. That's why we went through this exercise mm-hmm. of saying, the Bible is the Word of God. Right. All right? The Bible is going to 
establish our standard of morality. We want to conform our lives to the scriptures. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say too that it's interesting in that same passage, go on in verse uh, 8. It says, But I say to them, married to the widows, it is good for them if they remain even as I am. But if they cannot exercise self control, let them marry, for it's better for them to marry than to burn with passion. So the idea is if you cannot control those desires, and you have someone in your life that's eligible to be married, and you yourself are eligible to be married, it's better for you to go forward with that relationship where you can enjoy the benefits of that as opposed for you being burning with passion because you cannot do what you want to do. But the clear thing is is that God has provided for an outlet, a healthy outlet for that need and that desire, and it is marriage. And if it's anywhere else, it's inappropriate. And like you said, it doesn't matter what other people think, what the polls say, what the enlightened society deems appropriate. This is the biblical standard. This is the holiness God's calling us to. Right. I thought about Ecclesiastes chapter 9 as well. Verse 9 says, Enjoy life with the woman whom you love all the days of your fleeting life, life which he has given you under the sun. Enjoy your relationship with your wife. Enjoy Mm -hmm. your relationship with your husband. And so the Bible is clear about that, that God created us. He intends for husbands and wives to be one flesh. That's what he says in the very beginning, Genesis chapter 2. That's repeated again in the New Testament as well. But sex outside of marriage is prohibited. Now, God knows that promiscuity and unrestrained sexual behavior, that would not be good for us. Mm-hmm. That, that would be mm-hmm. bad for the human race. Mm-hmm. And so he has governed that. And the truth is that if people were to abide by the teaching of the Bible, there would be a lot fewer sexual problems Mm -hmm. in the world. Mm -hmm. And so self-restraint and abstinence until a person is married and a strictly monogamous relationship once a person is married, just think of all the disease Mm -hmm. and all Mm -hmm. the heartbreak and all the guilt and all all of those things that that would be greatly, greatly reduced if people just observed the teaching of the Bible. That's what's best for us. That's why God has put these limits on mm-hmm. it, and that's why we need to, to respect it. Yeah, it reminds me of Deuteronomy 6.24 says that the commandments that were given were for our good always. First Timothy 4.8 talks about that godliness has the promise of the life that now is and the life that is to come. And so the point being is whether it's talking about sexual morality or profanity and how you can speak, how you dress, all of these rules are not arbitrary rules to see. I don't see what these guys are going to do with this. This is for the best life. If you want to live the best possible life, the most fulfilling life, from God's perspective, you do it my way. That's what God says. So a sexual relationship enriches the relationship between a husband and wife. It enhances the relationship. It makes it deeper. It makes it stronger. And and so it's for the good of the relationship. You want to break that? Mm -hmm. You want to create a lot of mistrust Mm -hmm. and anger? Mm -hmm. Will you be unfaithful to your marriage vows? And then then you'll have lots and lots of problems. Let me ask you a question, Kevin, Mm -hmm. as we bring this to a close. Mm -hmm. Does God place restrictions on us that we can't meet? Nope. And, and the nice thing about it is, is God created us. And so he knows what we're capable of and what we're not capable of. So if God ever tells us to do something, implicit in that command is we can do it. That's right. We have the capability of doing right. it. So for those who say it's impossible, can't be done, God, the architect of our lives and of the body, says otherwise. And therefore it can be done. That's right. So God doesn't ask us to do something that we cannot do. Now, it may be difficult to do. Right, it may right. take some self-discipline right. and self-control. And it may put us contrary to many of people around us. But, you know, we just have to have the resolve mm-hmm. and the self-control and 
we must be God controlled mm -hmm. and we can do it. And so Amen. we'll probably talk about this a little bit more mm -hmm. in our next session. And so hopefully you'll uh, tune, tune us in and join with us as we continue the discussion. Kevin, would you like to lead us in sure. a closing prayer? Dear gracious Heavenly Father, we bow our heads very thankful that you've given us this opportunity to once again expound upon your word and specifically on biblical morality in the area of sexual relations. We're thankful that you've given us insight to know how we ought to handle uh, that desire that we have and born within us. Uh, there is a healthy outlet. There is an appropriate place that is only within the bonds of marriage between two people who have the right to be in that relationship. And we're very mindful of verses like Hebrews 13, 4, where marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. And so we thank you for that. But we also thank you for the instruction warning us against sex outside of marriage and, and encouraging us to do what we can do, which is to control these desires. The mind has control over the body. The soul has control over the flesh. And we're so very thankful that our souls can be built up and fortified by studies like this so that when we are tempted, and the devil does tempt us in this area, as he does many others, we can resist those temptations because we have the strength that comes from the faith that we have developed from your word and your teaching. And so may we spend more time engaged in studies like this to further build up that shield of faith that we will be able to resist the darts of the wicked one. We thank you for everything that you've revealed to us, including your son, who gives us our only hope of salvation. We know that we have to be in his blood and cleansed by his blood in his church in order to have the opportunity for eternal life. Thank you for that. Thank you for the sacrifice, and thank you for the instructions. And as we are in your church, we know how to live holy lives, and we are to pursue that holiness. And this study is designed to highlight many different aspects of pursuing a life of holiness, to be holy as you are holy. And we know that with your help and your assistance, with prayer, with God's word, with the encouragement of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, we can be exactly what you would have us to be and serve you faithfully. Thank you for all that you've done for us and all that you promised to do for us in the future. We look forward to those promises. In fact, we our whole lives are oriented based on those promises. Please continue to build us up. Please continue to protect us from the wicked one. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.